Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. This uh, series called Genius is inspired by this book by a guy called Erwin McManus. It's called The Genius of Jesus. Now, many of you know that I read a lot of books, okay, loads of them, and occasionally a book comes right to the surface and it's a standout book for me. This is one of those books. I would love to encourage you to get a hold of this book. You can get it where all books are sold. None of this profit is coming to me, only the guy who wrote it, okay? It's an amazing, amazing book. And this is the inspiration behind what we want to share with you over the next few weeks. And and he has a chapter in that um, book where he talks about uh, child prodigies uh, and genius. And when you see genius in a child, it's really surprising and amazing. Uh, Like Mozart, for instance, he wrote his first piece of music when he was five. He wrote a minuet and trio in G major when he was five, which is phenomenal. But you know, research suggests that most children are what they call divergent thinkers up to the age of 12. In other words, they think outside the box. There's like latent genius in every one of us. But at the age of 12, we begin to become convergent thinkers. In other words, that genius, that creativity, that innovation kind of gets knocked out of us after the age of 12. They reckon there's something really unique about the age of 12. Question, what do we know about Jesus? We know about Jesus as a baby, Christmas time. Then we know a lot about, a lot about Jesus as a 30-year-old when he starts speaking and doing miracles. And then 33, Easter week, Between a baby and 30, we know one thing about Jesus when he was the age 12. And the only thing we read about Jesus from when he was a baby to when he was 30 is this one instance in the book of Luke when he's supposed to be in Jerusalem, well he is in Jerusalem, his mum and dad have gone, they've lost him, they go back and they find him in the temple and he's surrounded by religious leaders and teachers and scholars and academics and the Bible says they were all amazed at his teaching. Why? He was a genius. At the age of 12, he was a genius. He was a genius as a human being. And if you don't buy the whole fact that Jesus was God, park that for a minute. I want to talk to you today about the genius of the man Jesus. Okay, we'll come on to the God bit in a bit. But just for a moment, park that on one side. Because there's something amazing about this character, genius, Jesus, the genius. Fast forward to, to the age of 33. And he's riding into Jerusalem for the last week of his life on earth. This is how it's recorded in the Gospel of Matthew. It says this, as they approach Jerusalem. And then I've got dot, dot, dot there because there's a whole load of other stuff where he asks for a donkey and he rides in on a donkey and all of that stuff. But then it says this, a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Guys, this question, who is this? is the most important question you can ever ask on planet earth. Who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus? And I've called the the title of today's talk, Jesus, myth, man, genius, or more. 
And I want to unpack all of those things with you today. And if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, okay, maybe you're watching us online, maybe you're in a location, maybe you're here in the room, and, and you're here because of someone's pulled you along or you come here for whatever reason, I really want to talk to you today. But if you are a Christian, I want to talk to you as well, because I think sometimes familiarity with Jesus robs us of the genius and the wonder of who he really was and is. So I want to look first at this whole idea of a myth. And I want to look at his place in history. Was Jesus just a myth? I still meet people now who say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like a, like a, like a Marvel character or like a DC character, depending on who you favour, or a myth or a fairy tale or a legend. That's so far from the truth. Any self-respecting historian, whether they're a person of faith or not, will tell you, no, that's rubbish. He actually existed. In fact, Josephus, who was a first century Jewish historian, he wrote this. It was at this time that a man appeared, if man is the right word, who had all the attributes of a man, but seemed to be something greater. His actions were superhuman. Now, this isn't someone who believes in Jesus, okay, as God. This isn't that. He was a Jew. For he worked such wonderful and amazing miracles that I, for one, cannot regard him as a man. Yet in view of his likeness to ourselves, I cannot regard him as an angel either. It is also stated that after his execution and entombment, he disappeared entirely. Some people actually assert that he'd risen. Others retort that his friends stole him away. I, for one cannot decide where the truth lies. So so you might not know what to do with this Jesus, but just to deny him, to say he never existed, that's like, that's any self-respected academic in any sphere will say, no, you can't really do that. He has a place in history. What about, secondly, his impact on history? Okay, let's go to a few other, other quotes here. Napoleon, okay, Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, and myself founded empires. But on what foundation did we rest the creations of our genius? Upon force. Isn't it interesting that 300, 200 and so years later, short men are still trying to do what that short man tried to do 200 years ago. Isn't it interesting? Jesus Christ founded an empire upon love and at this hour, millions of men would die for him. Here's another one. H.G. Wells. I am a historian. I am not a believer. But I must confess as a historian that this penniless preacher from Nazareth is irrevocably the very centre of history. Jesus Christ is easily the most dominant figure in all history. So that's not like me as a Christian pastor saying that. That's a guy, H.G. Wells, that says, I'm not, I'm not a believer. But I look at this guy, he's the dominant person in history. Next one, Einstein. As a child, I received instruction in both the Bible and in the Talmud. The Talmud is the Jewish scriptures, the early Jewish scriptures. I am a Jew, but I am enthralled by the luminous figure of the Nazarene. No one can read the Gospels without feeling the actual presence of Jesus. And I love this. His personality pulsates in every word. No myth is filled with such life. Don't you love that? It's just amazing. And then another great academic... um, Madonna. Not. When I was growing up, I was religious in a passionate way. Jesus Christ was like a movie star, my favourite idol of all. You see, even people that don't say that they're Christians, there's something really magnetic and attractive about this character, Jesus. 
I was thinking as I was walking over to church today um, about all the leaders in my life and people that I've looked up to. And, and often, the more you look up to someone, um, the more you admire them from a distance, when you get close to them or when you find out more information about them, you can often be, be left feeling disappointed. Oh, because they're not that great after all, because they're only human. But here's what I've discovered after following Jesus for now 40 years. The more I find out about Jesus, the less I'm disappointed and the more I'm enthralled at who this man really was and is. And that's what I want to share with you today, because I want to talk about his impact on me. I want you to think about the genius of Jesus. I want you to think not so much about the divine side, about whether he was God or not. We'll come on to that. Just think about Jesus as a man. And a friend of mine just wrote, uh, I was chatting to, to him about this, this talk, and he, and he sent this to me. He'd written this, or he'd read it somewhere. And I'll just read it. It's so good. It says this, think about Jesus as a man. Jesus was angry enough to cause chaos in church, upset enough to cry in public, fun-loving enough to be called a drunk, poor enough to, to borrow a coin for a sermon illustration, radical enough to get kicked out of town, responsible enough to care for his mother, and anxious enough to sweat drops of blood. When you look at Jesus, it's like, this is what it looks like to be fully human. And what he does such a great job in the book is, is, is opening up the whole idea about what it means to be fully human. Because I think that's what Jesus shows us, maybe more than anything else, what it really is to be fully human. And there's three things that impact me about the humanity of Jesus. And these are the three reasons, I think, why I follow him with all of my passion and all of my life, okay? Number one, his strength. You see, I grew up in a church background where I, the image that I had of Jesus was that Jesus was this kind of blonde-haired, kind of um, blue-eyed, Abba tribute band kind of character. Do you know what I mean? Where, where, where he, it was, his hair was blow-dried. Do you know what I mean? Which, and there's nothing wrong with that because mine was in the 80s as well, believe it or not. It was in. It was in then. It was in. But, but that's, the, that's the image that I had of Jesus. Like not a strong man at all. And yet, when you read about Jesus, his strength is phenomenal. Just look at this. His physical strength. I mean, Jesus was a manual, blue-collar worker who, for 30 years, chopped down trees in the woods. He would have been ripped and had a physique. He was a strong man. He carried his own cross, as we'll celebrate on Friday, up a hill. He, dropped, he, he sweat drops of blood. When you look at his crucifixion, the physical rigour of that, he was an incredibly strong, physical man. And yet not only did he have physical strength, but he also had mental strength, incredible mental strength. The Bible says in, in John 13 that, that Jesus knew where he was, knew where he come from and he knew where he was going. He was clear on his identity. He was clear on his destiny. So he served. He had incredible mental strength. Just before um, he rode into Jerusalem on the donkey, we read in Luke 9, when it came close to the time, he gathered up his courage and steeled himself for the journey to Jerusalem. One translation says he set his face like flint. In other words, his mental strength was so great that nothing would put him off doing what he'd come to do. I think that is incredible. But not only physical and mental strength, but emotional strength as well. See, Jesus was a teacher. And as he began to teach, often people manipulated him, lied about him, rejected him, picked up stones to throw at him. You know, and I know what it's like to be in front of people that reject you. And hopefully none of you throw stones at me today. In fact, a third of all pastors 
have thought about quitting the ministry during COVID. I know many pastors' friends who've quit during COVID. It's been a really difficult time. And we're no big deal, really. But Jesus never quitted once. And you, you don't live like that unless you're incredibly emotionally strong. But not only emotional strength, but what about this one? Moral strength. You see, when, when you look at Jesus, you see someone who, who, who never messed up. Who, who never had secrets, who never had hiddenness, who never had offshore accounts, who never had any of this, and I'm careful what I'm saying here, who never had any of that. And yet when we look at leaders, we so often look, oh, you're a leader, but where is the moral strength? Anyone know what I'm talking about? And the reality is I know we're all human. But when I look at Jesus, I see what an incredibly strong man, physically, mentally, emotionally, and morally. And when you read the private lives of leaders, you know, or, or, or you read on social media, or you read in the, in, the, in the press, it's so discouraging. And can I just say, for those of you that are Christians today, I know, okay, that we're in a season right now where there's been lots of controversy about spiritual leaders across the planet, some very well-known ones, the documentaries coming out and all of that. And I get all of that. And can I just say, it breaks my heart every time I read something like that. Firstly, I ain't judging jury and neither are you. Secondly, we are all human and we don't know the full story. And thirdly, please, can I just encourage you, limit what you take into your mind through social media. The stuff out there at the moment is frightening about the church and about leaders and it's so critical and so cynical. I want to encourage you, limit what you take in. It will not be good for your soul. It really won't. But you know, when I look at Jesus, the closer I get to him, the more I get to know him, I don't get disappointed. My view of him goes up because he is the most physically, emotionally, mentally, morally strong person, I think, who's ever lived on planet Earth. But here's what's amazing, and this is genius about Jesus. Not just his strength, but secondly, his sensitivity. You see, when you get a strong man or a strong woman, you don't often get sensitivity as well. Like, you don't often imagine a general in an army saying, does this khaki look good on me? You don't often imagine that, do you? Or, or when, when, when a general gives, gives a, when a police officer, you know, or a, a DCI, whatever they call him, I'm looking at one over here, I'll get the right terms here. When, when he says, you know, I'm giving you an order, you don't often think that they'll say, how do you feel about that order that I've just given? You don't often associate sensitivity with strength, right? And yet Jesus was not only the strongest man who's ever lived, I think he's the most sensitive man who's ever lived. Why? Because kids wanted to be around him. Because women felt lifted and validated and, and encouraged and, and empowered. Because the outcasts of society wanted to be near him. In fact, he was sensitive to every single person that he ever met. I don't know about you, but that blows my mind, doesn't it? That he was not only strong, but he was sensitive. I mean, it frustrated his followers often, you know, that he was so accessible to people that he was so aware of their needs and of their humanity. And maybe in a crowd like this today, you know, you came in at the start and everyone was clapping and, you know, everything felt great. You might look around thinking, everybody else in this room is great. I'm the only one whose life's a mess right now. Or I'm the only one who's grieving right now. Or I'm the only one who's doubting or who's confused or who's uncertain. Yet, you need to know this. Jesus is so sensitive that in a crowd like this, he'll see you. He'll see you. He'll see you. 
He did it time and time and time again. And he had this incredible way of being strong and sensitive. And I think, and I want, let me just speak to men for a bit, okay? Men, we're in a little bit of a quandary, aren't we? We don't really know who we are these days. What we're supposed to do, what we're supposed to say. Are we supposed to be strong? Are we supposed to be sensitive? The answer is yes. Yes, we are. We can be both. We can be both. We've been sold a lie that to be a man, we need to be either strong or sensitive. Jesus shows us that we can be both. We can be physically, morally, emotionally and mentally strong and sensitive to the needs of others and sensitive to the emotions of others and sensitive and aware of our own emotions as well. Jesus shows us what it looks like to be fully human. This is why I love him so much. Sensitive, strong. And I think that's also true of women as well. We can be sensitive women and we can be strong. Well, you can. Do you know what I mean? You can be both. We don't have to be either or. We can be both and Jesus shows us what it is to be fully human. But here's the third thing, what I love about the humanity of Jesus, his simplicity. You know, many, many leaders, many world-shaping leaders, and we've talked about some, Napoleon, H.G. Wells, Einstein, all of these characters, they live complex lives, right? Like think about some of the world leaders right now. I noticed yesterday that our prime minister ended up in Kiev in Ukraine, and I applaud him for that being the first of the Western leaders to go to Kiev, right in the middle of the war. Well done. And I look at leaders on the planet, I think, how complex is their life, right? I mean, minders and cars and planes and um, bureaucracy and army and, and you know, demands and telephones and emails and texts. And wow, so complex. And yet Jesus shows us what it is to live a simple and a focused, grounded, centred life life. And I know you could say, well, that was 2,000 years ago, and he was in Israel, and all of that. I get all of that. But there's something about the genius of Jesus. Jesus was often busy, but never hurried. (laughs) Jesus was always in demand, but never distracted. Jesus always had people imposing on him, but he always had time for people. Jesus had a simplicity, which I think is incredibly powerful and attractive. You see, he chose to be accessible. Often the disciples were really frustrated. They said, look, look, you're too accessible. We need to get you away. We need to get you into the green room. Do you know what I mean? Where you can get latte and where you can get sparkling water and where you can just chill out. Jesus never wanted to be in the green room. I don't want to compare myself to Jesus at all, but several years ago, I was speaking at a church um, overseas, very big church, thousands of people, love the church, love the people, no criticism at all. And um, they sent me this kind of rider, like, what do you want when you come? And it was three pages, A4, of what kind of coffee I want, what kind of water I like, what kind of M&Ms I want to put in my bowl, literally all of that stuff, okay? And I got there and they, put, they showed me this green room and everything you could ever want was in the green room. And in between services, they said, we'll just take you into the green room. And I said, no, 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 please don't do that. Where does everybody else go? And they said, well, they go in the, in the foyer and they have coffee. I said, can I go there? Is that okay? And I had the best time just engaging with people out in the foyer. That whole being in the green room thing for me just freaked me out. And I look at Jesus. I'm not comparing myself to him at all. I look at him. I don't think Jesus was a green room kind of guy. He was accessible to the people. He chose to be accessible. 
for the individual as well as for the crowd. He's chose secondly to be humble. He chose to be the one that even though he created the heavens and the earth, he knelt down at the feet of the people he had created and washed their feet. Isn't that amazing? Incredible simplicity of focus. He knew who he was. He knew where he come from. He knew where he was going. He knew why he was on planet earth. Don't we need that? I don't know about you, but I need that. I need some of the strength that Jesus had. I need that sensitivity that Jesus had. And I need that simplicity of focus to know where I've come from, to know where I'm going, and to know why I'm here on planet Earth. You know, Jesus wasn't crucified, I think, because of the miracles that he did. He was crucified because he showed up a mirror to the people. of This is what it means to be fully human. And this is what God is really like. Because Jesus wasn't just a genius man. He was way, way, way more than that. And the big question, guys, that you and I need to answer, and I want to say to you, if you're in the room, if you're online, and you've never answered this question, I'm going to give you an opportunity to answer it today. And the question is not, who was Jesus? The question is, who is Jesus? And who is Jesus to you? This week, Alison and myself, she's not too well today, so she's not here, but we had a few days in Oxford and we loved it, loved the whole history of it and finding out about you know, some of the uh, great writers, Tolkien and C.S. Lewis and where they used to uh, sit together in a pub and, and talk about the great works they were writing, Lord of the Rings, Chronicles of Narnia. Both of those guys, Lewis and Tolkien, knew that there was a bigger story than Lord of the Rings or the Chronicles of Narnia. They both had faith in Jesus. And C.S. Lewis, he said this famously, a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with the man who says he's a poached egg or else he'd be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman, or something worse. Let us not come up with any patronising nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He's not left that open to us. He never intended to. Guys, as we come into Easter week, I want to invite all of you to fall in love with Jesus again or for the first time. I want to invite all of you to consider Jesus again or for the first time. I want to invite all of you to ask yourself, who is this? Who is this Jesus? This incredible strength and sensitivity and simplicity of focus and invite all of those three things back into your life again this Easter time. You see, if it weren't for Jesus, we wouldn't know, we wouldn't be able to know God at all. You know that? If it weren't for Jesus, you and I wouldn't have a relationship with God at all. And, and I'm, I'm sitting and I'm seeing some people who were baptised last week. And who were you here last week? Anyone were here last week? So good. Hearing the stories and, and, I, and I go away from that thinking, listen, even if you, don't, if you don't believe that Jesus was God, then just the idea of Jesus is changing people's lives. I mean, I mean even if you can't buy the whole God bit, just the idea of this man who lived 2,000 years ago is still changing people's lives. Who else could you say that about in human history? Who else is, is, is saying, Napoleon has changed my life. Charlemagne has changed my life. Einstein has changed, nobody. And yet people are still saying that this man, Jesus, 
is changing my life. Why? Because he's way more than a man. He is way more than genius. He's God. Who is this Jesus to you? If it weren't for Jesus, we wouldn't know God. And if it weren't for Jesus, you and I would have no hope. In, in a week or two's time, we're going to do a funeral here. Funeral for Val Jevons. Val and Graham were so important to us as a church. They were right here at the early days. Loved God all the way through their life. And whenever you die, it's tragic and it's so sad. And I want to encourage you guys to be here at the funeral if you can be on April the 19th. It's 12 noon, Tuesday, April the 19th. But I know this, both Val and Graham, as they died, they died with hope. And if it weren't for Jesus, you and I would have no hope. No hope for this life and no hope for the next. And so guys, I don't know where you're at this morning, but I'm going to invite you today in a few moments to consider Jesus again. Who is this Jesus who had such an impact in history? Who is this Jesus who has a place in history, but he has an impact in my life and in many, many others' lives? And he also can have that impact in your life. So who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus for you? I wonder if I invite you just to close your eyes for a moment. I want to give you an opportunity, guys. And those of you watching online, those of you in our locations, those of you here in the room, just to take a minute. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you've never asked Jesus to make a difference in your life. You can do that today. What an incredible day at the start of Easter week. You don't need to wait till Easter Sunday. You could make that decision today. So while our eyes are closed, we don't do this very often. I want to give you an opportunity. If you want to say today, hey, I, I don't know whether I've ever really asked Jesus to change my life, to come into my life. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. And all you need to do is to say, hey, I've been going my own direction and I've been kind of living away from Him, but I want to turn that direction around and I want to walk His way. I want His strength in my life. I want His sensitivity. I want His simplicity of focus. I want to get to know not just this man, Jesus, but this God, Jesus. I want to receive him into my life. And if that's you, I would love to pray for you. So if there's anyone this morning, I want to ask you just to put your hand up as a way of deciding and making a decision that you want to follow Jesus today. And if you're watching online, you can also do that. The guys will show you how you can do that and you can acknowledge that in the chat. Is there anybody that wants to make that decision here today? Thank you at the back. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Father, I want to pray for this person that's raised their hand up to you. I want to pray for anyone watching our locations, anyone watching online. God, may we make a step towards you. And as we make a step towards you, let us know that you're already running towards us. Change our lives, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, just open your eyes for a moment. You know, I, as I was praying and preparing for today, and I was writing out those kind of three things and those things that I thought about a long time ago, why I follow Jesus because of His incredible strength, His sensitivity and His simplicity. And then I thought this, I really need those things in my life right now. Anyone? <laughs> Anyone? And maybe you do. Maybe you need some of His strength in your life right now. Maybe you need that strength because you just know that you're feeling weak right now. Maybe you're facing something and you think, I don't have the strength for this, but He does physical, mental, emotional, moral, and of course, spiritual. 
He does. And He promises that, that in our weakness, His strength is made perfect. In other words, we don't have to be strong because He is. We just have to receive His strength. Maybe you need His sensitivity. Maybe your heart has grown a little hard. I know that for me through COVID, there've been certain things that through this last couple of years where I've noticed my heart getting harder in certain areas and I need to say, oh Jesus, I don't wanna be like that. I need your sensitivity. Or maybe your life has got so complex and there's so many demands and you just need the simplicity again and the focus that He offers. If that's relevant to you at all in any way, I wanna ask you to stand because I wanna pray for you. So if any of those things are relevant to you, that you need that strength, you need that sensitivity, you need that simplicity, I want to invite you to stand. And if you're watching online in our locations, I want to invite you to stand in our locations. If you're watching online, I want to invite you just to respond in whatever way you can. And I want to pray for you, okay? And there's nothing magical about me at all. Really, there isn't. But there's something amazing about Him. So let's pray. Father, we thank You for all these people standing before You. God, we're all so human. But Lord, this is what's so amazing. You get it because You were human as well. You get it, what it is to be weak. You get it, what it is to have a hard heart. You get it, what it is to to be in demand and to feel complex and and to feel rejected. You get it all and You love us. And so Lord, I want to invite You, Jesus, by Your Spirit, Would you bring strength where there's weakness right now? Would you bring sensitivity where there's maybe hardness? Would you bring simplicity where there's complexity? God, would you bring your presence? Jesus, the same God who walked the earth 2,000 years ago, who now by His Spirit is walking in this room and online and across planet earth, changing people's lives. Who is this Jesus? He's the one who still changes lives. So Father, would You come? Lord, we receive from You by Your Spirit again. Lord, I pray especially those who are facing health challenges right now, who are waiting on tests, who are waiting on treatment, who are waiting on results. God, I pray that they would know Your presence with them in the waiting, in Jesus' Name. Father, for those whose families are chaotic right now, God, I pray that the simplicity and the focus and the centeredness of Jesus would hold them together in the middle of the chaos. Would you speak your word of power, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. At the end of our service, we have a prayer room as you head out through the atrium on the left. If any of you will want us to pray personally with you, we'd love to do that. Why don't we all stand? And we're going to spend the rest of our time worshipping Jesus, okay? And if you're new to all this, just enjoy it. Read the words, sing along if you want. If you're not new to all this and you get it, or you're just stepped into all this, I want to invite you. Let's make Easter all about Jesus. Because it is, isn't it? Not about all the complexity of our lives, not about all of that. But let's worship the simplicity of who Jesus is.